Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear from our Wellington youth pastor, Victoria Latoa. We hope you enjoy today's message. series called Because of the Cross, Because of the Cross. And it's all about learning how the cross impacts our lives today. It's about equipping and empowering the church, the body of Christ, to walk in the freedom, forgiveness and victory that Christ offers us. And last week, Pastor Ben uh, so beautifully spoke about how because of the cross, we are redeemed for a purpose. We are redeemed for a purpose, to be the salt and light to the world. And today I'm going to be speaking about the simple thought that because of the cross, we can be forgiven, that we can be forgiven. Because of the cross, through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are offered forgiveness. Because of the cross, we are offered a chance to be made right with God. So we're gonna speak to that. We're gonna take a moment at the end of the service to remember what God has done for us. Psalm 32 verse one says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Romans 3 verse 23 to 26 in the NLT, this is a key scripture for our, for our series. It says, for everyone has sinned, man, newsflash, everyone, everyone got sin. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who had sinned in times past. For He was looking ahead, how beautiful. He was looking ahead and including them in what He would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate His righteousness for He Himself is fair and He is just. And He makes sinners right in His sight. Are you thankful for that today? That He makes sinners right in His sight. That we are clothed in the, in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Faultless, we stand before the throne because of the sacrifice of our Lord. He makes sinners right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. Lord, we thank You that You are already in this room today. And I believe that You have already moved in the heart of every person watching online, everyone part of our Palmy family. You are already moving and speaking, God, and You are here, present among Your people. We pray, Lord, that as we lean and as we hear the Word, God, You will speak to us Your truth, not my words, but Your words, God. And we give You all the glory in advance for all that You're gonna do. In Your beautiful, holy, mighty name, we say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you, band. You guys are amazing. Why don't we get up for the band? They're amazing. I'm kind of biased. I am part of the team as well, so you know, you got favourites. So forgiveness. The word forgiveness means to let go of, to keep no longer. Forgiveness is about letting go of the past. So when the psalmist in Psalm 32 says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, 
He is saying that the wrong things we've done, the worst days that come to our mind to haunt us, when we come before the Lord, they have been let go of. They are out of sight. What a blessing, what a beautiful revelation of the mercy of our God. And to understand how and why we've been forgiven, we must first acknowledge that the one who forgives is God and what He forgives is sin. So therefore, we must have an understanding of God, sin, and our part in that narrative in order to fully comprehend the concept of forgiveness. So we're gonna go, go, go on a bit of a journey today. We're gonna talk about God's holiness, man's sin, Christ's atonement, man's repentance, and therefore forgiveness offered and received. It's gonna be amazing, I'm super excited. So God's holiness. It's impossible for us to know God exhaustively because there's always so much to learn about Him. There will be no end to us learning about His goodness, His grace, His mercy. There is no end to the discovery of the depths of His character and the power of His hand. Theologian Wayne Gruden said, we cannot know God exhaustively, but we can know Him accurately. We can know our God accurately. And this must be our highest desire, to know God and to really know Him for who He says that He is. God defines who He is. Let's go to Leviticus 19 verse two. The Lord says, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. He's real straight up. He's like, I'm, I'm holy. I am the standard of holiness. So we must understand that God is holy. He defines Himself as holy. Holy means apartness, sacredness, separateness, showing that God is altogether holy and sacred and set apart or separate from the rest of His creation. He stands alone. He alone is the standard of all holiness. He alone is righteous and He is just. He's the God of justice. He is the ultimate standard of good. He can only ever be good. There is nothing impure in our God. Therefore, because He is so holy and He is so good, He is the epitome of holiness, He hates sin. He cannot tolerate sin, anything that falls short, he cannot tolerate it. In the beginning in the garden, we see that God gave his law as a standard of righteousness for all humanity to follow. He gave Adam and Eve one law, one thing, one job. He gave them one law, the law of loving obedience. Trust me, what I say, take me on my word. Trust me, the law of loving obedience. But as we all know, Adam and Eve broke this one law and as a result, sin made man lawless and it separated all of humanity from God. Sin entered the world and became part of man's nature. Don't worry, the story gets better, I promise you. We're just going on a journey today. Okay, cool, so we talked about God's holiness and now we need to talk about man's sin. Sin means literally to miss the mark. When I was uh, in primary school, we had a school camp. And at the school camp, we had um, time for this thing called archery. And so there's nothing scarier, honestly, than a bunch of 10-year-old kids 
doing archery at a camp. You know, they're away from their parents, they're with their friends, they're going wild already, high on sugar and everything like that. And uh, they've got a bow and an arrow and there is nothing scarier than that. But in archery, when you aim, there is a desired result. It's called the bullseye. But as you can imagine, with a bunch of 10 year olds, there wasn't a lot of bullseyes. There was a lot of arrows on the grass and on the ground and everywhere, but good thing not in any humans. Praise the Lord for that. Um, the thing is that we miss the mark a lot. And that's the same in our lives today. Because sin means to miss the mark of what God truly has for us. It's living in rebellion from God. When we try to live independently from God and we think that we know what's best for our lives. And the thing is that the root of all of my sin is my rejection of God as the creator. That like, nah, 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 like I think I actually know what's best for me, God. Like, don't you worry, you just continue running the universe as you do and I'll just be here on my little, you know, I'm a little lonesome. But that is actually the root of all our sin. Romans 3 says, as we've read before, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So none of us are excluded from this. In fact, Romans 5 talks about inherited sin from Adam, inherited sin from Adam. Even King David, he wrote, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, I was born a sinner. And because of this, because we're all humans, we all have this tendency towards sin. I know it's really, it's really like kind of lame right now, but it is getting better. Um, we all have this, what we call proclivity towards sinfulness, that our tendency is to do the thing that we're not meant to do because of this embedded sinful nature in every single one of us. It's important to remember that God created us as free will moral agents, that it's up to us if we're gonna depend on our own strength or if we're gonna trust in God. So the holiness of God and the sin of man. These two things are in direct opposition to each other. Therefore, God's holiness demands sin to be judged. He is a just God and sin needs to be judged. And the penalty of sin is death. Yikes, whoa, pretty serious. But the penalty of sin is death and complete and eternal separation from God. So God's holy, but He's also a God of love? Yes, these are really important things to get correct, that God's holiness and God's love are in perfect cohesion. They don't cancel each other out because God in His love desires to save the sinner, as we read before, and God in His holiness must execute the judgment upon the sin. So how do we reconcile with this? How can a God of love and a God of holiness exist you know, together, like a bit random? Um, how can a loving God save sinners without violating His holiness by bringing judgment upon the sin? Here is the good news you've all been waiting for. The first 10 minutes were a bit, you know, a bit of a reality check, but here is the good news. It is through Christ's atonement, through the blood of Jesus. It is the atoning work of Jesus Christ where God deals in holiness with sin and He deals in love with the sinner. God deals in His holiness with sin and He deals in love with the sinner. Through the cross, God judges the sin, the bad things we do where we've missed the mark 
and He offers forgiveness to the sinner. How amazing is that? The mercy of our God. This is the good news, people. So we've learned about God's holiness, man's sin, and now the fun part, the, the positive part is Christ's atonement. The moment that man sinned, God set in motion the plan of redemption. Atonement means the reconciliation between sinful humanity and a holy God. Atonement is about bridging that gap, restoring the broken relationship. Because someone had to bridge the gap between us and God. Something had to take our place to pay the price. Remember, the price was death. Because reality check, everybody, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We need a substitute to take our place. And the death of Jesus on the cross was the substitutionary atonement. Jesus died as the substitute, as the replacement for sinners. Jesus was the answer and He is the answer. Jesus fully satisfied the payment that was due for our sin. Those online, those in Palmy, do you believe that God did it for you? That Jesus came so you could be free, so you could be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Second Corinthians 5 says, for our sake, for our sake, He made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah 53 says, But He was pierced for our transgressions, and He was crushed for our iniquities. So God remains just. He remains holy and just when He mercifully forgives our sin. Why? Because Christ stood in our place. Though Jesus was blameless and without sin, He took the guilt upon Himself and He suffered the punishment that we were meant to face. God does not ignore or permit sin, but rather He administers the just penalty for sin. But Jesus was the substitute who bore it in our place. He bore it for you and for you online. He bore it for you and you and all of us because justice at the cross is still served, yet mercy triumphs over judgment every single time. And our divine forgiveness that we get to receive is rooted in Christ's atonement and Christ's atonement. Therefore, at the cross, Christ's death made provision for forgiveness because of His sacrifice. Forgiveness of sin is available for all of us. He bore our sin, our shame, our worst mistakes so that we could be forgiven. Christ's death changed the game forever. His one sacrifice changed all of history forever. The judge, God, remember because Jesus is still God, the judge himself took the place of the condemned. The judge himself, he took the place of the condemned and that is mercy beyond compare. That is mercy beyond compare. And because we can be forgiven, we can live in freedom today. Do you believe that? That you can live in freedom. Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, 
Come now, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Because of Jesus, we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. If we would come before Jesus and because of His forgiveness that He offers us, we can experience freedom, freedom from the sin that haunts us freedom from the memories that we are ashamed of, freedom from the mistakes that we regret, freedom from the guilt that plagues our minds, that robs us of our peace when we're trying to sleep. Because Jesus cleanses us. He gives us a clean slate, a fresh start. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can be new creations, why? Because of the blood that was shed, the body that was broken at the cross through Jesus, our atoning sacrifice. And we can experience freedom from our past. I think it's really common for Christians to be like, yeah, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, but then there's moments where you try to sleep or there's moments that trigger you throughout your day and they remind you of the things of your past. And those things can begin to plague you and seep into everything that you do. But you need to remember the atoning work of Jesus, that His blood was enough. His sacrifice was enough. And therefore we can enter the presence of God by the blood of Jesus and we can come confidently into His throne room. Jesus made a way for us to be forgiven and to be freed from our sins. That is the good news. That is the good news of our beautiful Saviour, Christ Jesus. Yet we have to make sure that we remember that this isn't the, uh, the end necessarily, that the cross, it only provides forgiveness, but there must be from us a receiving of this forgiveness kind of like um, a tap of water, you know? You know that the water's there, but it's not until you turn the tap that the water actually comes out. And in the same way, we cannot experience the fullness of forgiveness for our sin, for our past, for our mistakes, until we receive the forgiveness of Christ. Christ's death was enough for all mankind. God has excluded no one. Christ made salvation available for all of us. However, as we learnt before, we are all free will moral agents and we can decide to do whatever we wanna do really. We need to decide to turn the tap of water on. The band can join me today. So how do we receive the forgiveness? So I've got this tap, I know there's water in it. Hallelujah, thank you for forgiveness, Lord, for what you purchased at the cross. But I can't, I'm not getting any water right now. We need to turn the tap. And how do we receive this forgiveness? Through repentance. William Booth of the Salvation Army said that one of the chief dangers which confront the present church this century is forgiveness without repentance. He said that one of the biggest dangers to our lives, to the church today, is forgiveness without repentance repentance. That is the condition for us to receive the forgiveness of God. So what is repentance? Repentance is the laying down of my pride 
and my sin and turning back to God, turning back to God, acknowledging that His ways are better, His ways are higher. It is a complete change of our mind and our heart towards God and towards sin. And we live a life in line with God, His Word, His teachings, His ways, His Spirit. And I'm only talking about the initial part of repentance as opposed to the ongoing of repentance, which um, if you have any more questions, I encourage you to talk to your life group leader, talk to a pastor. Um, they will be able to teach you about the fruit of repentance, which means a life that has changed. But this morning, for the sake of time, I'm just talking about the root of repentance, which is a change of your mind and attitude towards God and sin. So this is just the first step, guys. <laughs> In Acts 2, verse 22 to 36, the Apostle Peter He's giving a sermon at Pentecost about Jesus' death and resurrection. He's he's telling them all about it. It's crazy. In verse 36, it says, Now when they heard this, the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They felt that deep conviction of, oh my goodness, what does that mean for me? And they asked him, what should we do? Peter's response in verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent, turn back, come back to God. That should be our response to a loving God. And I love that God calls us to repent. And what leads us to repent is His kindness. There's a beautiful scripture in Romans 2. It says, it's His kindness that leads us back to repentance. It's His kindness that calls us to repentance. And what a beautiful invitation from our Lord to return, to humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord, to be restored to our original design. He's calling us to repent so we can receive the forgiveness and be cleansed from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The big thing is if we confess our sins. That's the big one, guys, the big if. If we confess, it's up to us. The ball is in our court. The ball is in your court. Will you choose to step into the fullness of life, a life of forgiveness and freedom from all sin, if you would only humble yourself before the Lord? He's calling you to come. He's calling you to come. In the Old Testament, in one of the Chronicles, one of them, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their cry from heaven and I will heal their land. There is forgiveness and healing and full restoration available for every single one of us. If we would only come to the Lord with repentant hearts and He is just to forgive. There is no sin too big. There is no gap too wide. His cross through His love, He made a way for you to know God and to truly know Him. To truly know our God. And maybe you're in this room and you're thinking, man, Vic, I feel too far gone. 
I feel way too far gone. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the things that I've watched behind closed doors. You don't know my internet search history on my laptop. You don't know the things that I said to my kids before we got to church today. You don't know the thoughts that I think when I get annoyed at a coworker. <laughs> you don't know the things in my past that I've never told anybody because I'm so ashamed and riddled with the guilt of my past. You're right, I don't know. I don't know your story or the specifics. But what I do know, and this is what really, really matters, what I do know is that Christ's sacrifice was enough for you and that His blood is strong enough to cover all your sins, to bridge the gap, to reconcile you back to a loving Father. There is nothing too hard for our God. Who are we to deny what the Lord can do, right? We sung that today. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Because if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. If you repent before the Lord and you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the grave, that He is the Son of God, then you can be forgiven. Your sins are no more. As far as the east is from the west, that is how far He removes your sin from you because our God is good. And for me, whenever I think of the forgiveness of God, I am overwhelmed with complete gratitude. As I was writing this message in a cafe for a couple of hours, I actually just wept, it was kind of awkward. Um, I was just weeping in this little corner of, the, of a Cafe 28 in the Hutt Valley, and I was just overwhelmed by the goodness of my God. The wrong things I've done, the moments when I felt entitled or prideful or better than others, the moments when I ranked other sins worse than mine, the times when I depended on my own strength instead of God's, the words that I spoke that hurt others, the things I watched or participated in that didn't honour God, the moments of gossip that I was part of. When you think about those things and how dirty those things are in contrast to a holy loving God, you cannot help but be moved by the mercy of our God that the judge, He took the place of the condemned, that Jesus gave His life so you could know full forgiveness and freedom. I wanna encourage our online family and our Palmy family that God's mercy is enough for you, that His grace is enough for you, that He covers all your sin. He covers every wrong thing that you do because our God is good and in His loving kindness, He reaches out to us. In the Bible, it says that He stoops down to make us great, that He picks us up from the miry clay. He sets our feet on a solid rock so that we could say we are the redeemed and we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Our God is a merciful God. And so when you come before the Lord and you repent of your sins, you believe that Jesus' blood was enough for you. You claim the blood of the cross. When God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He sees His Son because you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Faultless, we will stand before the throne of God. Why? Because we have received this forgiveness that knows no bounds. We sin, and in the book of Romans it says, where sin increased, grace abounds all the more. Where your sin feels like it's huge, 
Grace is more than that. You cannot out sin God's grace. His grace is enough for you. His blood is enough for you. And I believe that this word isn't just for the person who's new in church for the first time. It's not just for the person in this room or online that doesn't know Jesus, you're kind of new to this faith thing. I believe that this word is for every single person in this room. If you've been a Christian for 20 years, for 30 years, this is a reminder that your sin is gone if you come and repent before our God. Hebrews 10 verse 22 in the ESV says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near, let us return to God. This scripture beckons us to repent. Let us return to God with repentant hearts. Then it says, in full assurance of faith, we can have assurance because of Jesus' sacrifice. And then it says the most beautiful words, our hearts sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with water. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been given a clean slate, a fresh start. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.